in this episode. The piano is the genome, each key representing a single gene. But the pianist, the person who dictates what, how, and when each key will be played, that is the epigenome. Learn to perform. Practical lessons so that you can immediately learn to optimize your health, happiness, and performance. For this episode, I would like to give a special thank you to Dr. Ben Lynch for pioneering a lot of research on genetic dysfunction and passionately pursuing optimized health through science. He is the best-selling author of Dirty Genes and president of Seeking Health, a company that helps to educate both the public and health professionals on how to overcome genetic dysfunction. Not only have I listened to him on podcasts, follow him on Instagram, and have his book, Dirty Genes, but I also had my DNA tested and analyzed through his company, Seeking Health. The knowledge and insights are incredibly powerful, so I'm extremely grateful to Dr. Ben Lynch. So, on to the episode. We've all heard someone say, she has great genes, or it must just be in his DNA. But is that really what is going on? Are we really just a product of our genetic makeup, or is there more to the picture? Consider case studies of identical twins separated at birth, raised in drastically different environments, and observed to be completely different. How much influence did genetics really have? This brings us to the classic nature versus nurture argument. Are leaders born or made? Was Michael Jordan so successful because of his genetics or because of his relentless work ethic? Was Leonardo da Vinci an iconic painter, architect, musician, writer, mathematician, and inventor through chance or through effort? I would argue that the answer to all of these questions is a bit of both. But what about disease, poor health outcomes, and death? Are heart disease and chronic illness inevitable because it runs in your family? Or do you have more control over your outcomes than you may think? The modern argument is no longer nature versus nurture, but now it is genetic versus epigenetic. Incredible advances in science have begun to demonstrate just how much control over our lives we actually have, and that's what we're talking about today. So what's the bottom line? By understanding your gene profile and epigenetics, you can manipulate your gene expression to optimize your life. To understand this, we're going to divide this into three sections. Number one, genetics. Number two, epigenetics. And number three, gene expression. Number one, genetics. So this is just going to be a high level summary. It's going to have to take you back to your high school biology class, but let's just quickly review what genetics are and how they function. So our genetic information is commonly known as DNA, which is stored in our genome. So fundamentally, DNA is a biological molecule composed of cytosine, thymine, adenine, and guanine. And it is formed into a double helix structure, and these strands of DNA wrap around proteins that are called histones. These DNA strands that are wrapped around histones form nucleosomes, and nucleosomes are then combined to form solenoids. And then these solenoids are then combined to form supercoils, which are then combined to form what we know as chromosomes. And chromosomes are these beautiful X-shaped structures that we're all very famous with. And of course, the classic X and Y chromosome, you know, determining sex, for example. And there are 23 pairs of chromosomes, uh, enabling 46 total chromosomes, uh, assuming there is no genetic dysfunction. Okay, so we understand that we have DNA molecules wrapped into strands formed inside of these chromosomes. And at the end of chromosomes are these little caps called telomeres, which are essentially just added genetic code. And they're, in many ways, they're basically like a shoelace. So if you think of your DNA strands as your shoelaces and then the aglets, which are the caps, those are your telomeres. So they actually protect from DNA damage. Anyway, that's the basic overview of what DNA actually looks like from a structural level. 
what's important to know is that there are genes in the human body and they basically act as light switches and they regulate and they turn on or off specific enzymes or proteins or cellular processes. And it is through this combination that we're able to function. Now, there are some genes that are, as Dr. Ben Lynch refers to, born dirty. And these are called genetic polymorphisms or genetic variations. More commonly, these are referred to as SNPs, SNPs, which stands for single nucleotide polymorphism. So what this essentially means is that sometimes when you are born or when cells grow and divide, there is some sort of mutation that occurs and it's not exactly replicated and therefore there are some differences. And this largely contributes to variation over time through species and through ourselves as we slowly grow and divide and there are alterations that make us unique. Anyways, the human body in total has about 20,000 genes and of those, there are more than 10 million known SNPs. Yes, that is correct. There are more than 10 million known. Keep in mind, this is only what we know so far. Single nucleotide polymorphisms. And it has been shown that an individual may potentially have up to a million SNPs. So nobody's genes are perfect. We all have dirty genes and that's completely okay. It's completely normal and it is simply the result of the inevitable process of genetic variation. Okay, so that's just a little bit of a summary on genetics, but it'll all start to make a lot more sense once we get further in. Number two, epigenetics. Dr. David Sinclair of Harvard Medical School offers two excellent metaphors in his book, Lifespan, that provide an excellent understanding of the differences between genetics and epigenetics. And as you know, if you have listened to me before, that I'm a big fan of Dr. David Sinclair's work and his book, Lifespan, is terrific. So I highly recommend it to everyone. So to review, our genetic information is commonly known as DNA and that is stored in our genome. Epigenetics, however feature protein-based structures called chromatin that store the information necessary to instruct cells how they are supposed to function. Okay, so said simpler, Sinclair's first metaphor is that, quote, if the genome were a computer, the epigenome would be the software. Let's bring a little bit more clarity to genetics versus epigenetics with Sinclair's second metaphor. So he says to think of a grand piano with each key representing a gene. Each key corresponds to one note, only one note, but it can be played in many different ways. For example, they may be played softly or quickly, and they may be played in different combinations. In this case, the piano is the genome, each key representing a single gene. But the pianist, the person who dictates what, how, and when each key will be played, that is the epigenome. So hopefully this is making a little bit more sense where your genetics, your genome, that is your genetic makeup. That is who you are. But your epigenome is how you express that, how you... Now, in lifespan, Dr. David Sinclair largely talks about the role of epigenetics in terms of cellular functioning and aging. However, as evidenced by Stanford neuroendocrinologist Robert Sapolsky's groundbreaking exploration of human behavior in his book, Behave, he notes evidence that suggests that the actual role of genetics on human behavior is small at best, albeit complicated. Here's a great quote from his book outlining the diversity of epigenetic factors that can influence behavior. Quote, Stimulating environments, harsh parents, good neighborhoods, uninspiring teachers, optimal diets, all alter genes in the brain. End quote. Based on this, it is clear that epigenetics and the factors that influence our genetic expression have a very, very profound effect on our health, our happiness, and our performance. Number three gene expression. 
in Dirty Jeans by Dr. Ben Lynch, he has one quote that stands out as the overarching theme of the book. And he says, quote, your genes are not your destiny, end quote. This is the core concept of Dirty Jeans. And the idea is that your genes don't dictate your health or your quality of life, but rather the expression of your genes. As you may have guessed, he calls genes that aren't functionally operating dirty genes, in which there are two types. SNPs, the genetic polymorphisms that we previously mentioned, serve as one of the type of dirty gene. The other type act dirty due to external factors. In other words, through epigenetics, they do not function optimally. So as a quick highlight of some of the key factors, the most fundamental factors that can dirty up your genes, according to Dr. Ben Lynch, there are five main categories, and within each one, I'm going to list off a few of the things he mentions. Okay, number one is diet. And a few things that he mentions, among others, include eating too much sugar, not eating enough healthy fat, having nutrient deficiency, which includes B vitamins, vitamin C, copper, and zinc, and other factors as well. Number two is exercise, having a sedentary lifestyle, overtraining, and for many of the people like me who've spent a lot of your life being a highly competitive athlete, overtraining can cause just as many problems. Another one, electrolyte deficiency, dehydration, these are all factors that can dirty up your genes. Number three, sleep. Not getting enough deep restorative sleep. This is so important. I've talked about sleep so much because it has really become the foundation of what I think is the most important factor of good health. And it could not be any truer. Not getting enough deep restorative sleep also can dirty up your genes. What else? Going to bed late, getting up late, irregular sleep patterns. All of these things relating to sleep hygiene, they can dirty up your genes as well. Number four, environmental toxins. For example, dirty food, dirty water, dirty air, dirty products. So basically what this is, is things that are not purified. And so for food, it could be processed food that have a bunch of additives, for example. For dirty water, it could be a bunch of additional chemicals or minerals that are added in that aren't necessarily natural. Dirty air can be in the form of pollution. If we want to look at dirty products, think of sprays, cleaners, cosmetics, paints, pesticides, herbicides. There are tons of different artificially produced products that have built-in toxicity, and that can dirty up our genes. Number five, stress. And this should go without saying, stress matters. Stress affects your body, okay? And he doesn't go into specific detail on the different types of stressors, but obviously there are two main types, physical stress and psychological stress. So physical stress, it could be long-term illness, chronic infections, food intolerances or allergies, or insufficient sleep. There's a ton of factors that could contribute to physical stress, largely through the method of oxidative stress in the body. But there's also psychological stress. So it could be issues at work, issues at home with your loved ones, with life. There are a lot of different factors. And having stress, it affects your hormones, it affects the way your body processes, and therefore, yes, it can dirty up your genes and impact gene expression. So those are the big five that Dr. Lynch notes of how environmental and external factors can influence gene expression. And therefore, it is more so the epigenetics that are dictating your life and your health and your happiness rather than necessarily your actual genetics. Now, a big one worth noting is environmental toxins in which Dr. Lynch says, quote, the industrial chemicals in our air, water, food, and products have gotten completely out of control. Our bodies were never designed to bear that chemical burden, end quote. So how exactly does gene expression work? Well, it all comes down to methylation. Methylation is the process that controls your gene expression, dictating whether a gene will be turned on or off. Recall the piano metaphor. Your genes are constantly being turned on and off. At the right times, you could be Beethoven, 
but at the wrong times, it could sound much, much worse. Think about something that I would probably play if I was on the piano. So what happens in the methylation process is that a methyl group consisting of one carbon atom and three hydrogen atoms is added to a compound in your body, such as a gene, an enzyme, a hormone, neurotransmitter, or a vitamin. If methylation doesn't happen properly, genes may be on when they should be off, or they may be turned off when they should be turned on. This is where your gene expression is suboptimal. It's not necessarily that you have bad genes, but rather your genes are not being expressed properly. And an interesting note, 85% of methylation happens in your liver. Now, what is the liver famous for? Of course, it's detoxifying your body. If you want to optimize your methylation, and therefore gene expression and health, you're going to want to take care of your liver. To help, it is strongly recommended to limit alcohol, industrial chemicals, medications, and recreational drugs as much as possible to not overburden the liver. Now, back to methylation. This process is actually responsible for producing some incredibly important compounds necessary for optimal health. And I'm just going to list off a few because there's a lot. Number one, carnitine, which enables fat burning. Number two, creatine, which is essential for fueling your muscles and your brain. How about glutathione, which is the body's ultimate antioxidant? And if anyone has ever listened to Ben Greenfield, you'll hear lots about glutathione. Definitely worth learning a lot about. It's very important. Um, in addition, though, methylation is important for producing and balancing critical neurotransmitters such as serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, melatonin. And methylation is also super, super important for DNA repair, which um, having DNA damage is inevitable, especially in the modern world with so many different toxins. It is critical that we can repair our DNA so we can live optimally for as long as possible. Obviously, it is a lot more complicated than just that. And trust me when I say that it is really, really complicated. Having read through Dr. Ben Lynch's slides on metabolic pathways, it is clear that the relationships between various processes, enzymes, cofactors, reactants, and everything else is remarkably complex. But nevertheless, it is clear that the body functions as an incredibly complex system and numerous external factors can negatively impact critical processes which leads to additional issues downstream. In total, it can result in major health issues. Now, while it is a lot easier to prescribe medication and treat the symptom, the best way to optimize your health is to explore the potential root causes. When you begin to clean up dirty genes through an optimized lifestyle, focused on diet, exercise, sleep, environmental toxins, and stress, you may just find that everything starts to sort itself. And as we have discussed in great detail before, the objective is not to fix the body but rather to enable the body to work as it was designed to do. So a little bit now about my personal experience. Now, obviously, I am not an expert in genetics or epigenetics, but at a fundamental level, I think that my approach has really been to first understand how gene expression influences how I feel and perform and do research and through books like Dr. Ben Lynch's Dirty Genes and understand how that happens. It really comes down to practicing good lifestyle habits to try and limit my dirty genes as much as possible and essentially just allow my body to operate optimally the way it is supposed to be. So here's a few of the many different things that I have experimented with and I'm still experimenting with and I think have really had a critical impact on the overall improvement to my health, my happiness, and my performance. Obviously, it is extremely hard to link back and say one specific intervention is more influential than another because it is such a complicated web. There are so many factors involved. So it really has been a holistic approach where in total, all of these different factors of varying weights have positively influenced my life. And I'm going to try and continue to do these and learn how I can optimize my life. So for example, in terms of activating the survival circuit, and this is something that Dr. David Sinclair talks a lot about is fasting. So practice regular intermittent fasting. 
In fact, it is not uncommon for me to practice one meal a day, so where I'll only eat once over about a one-hour period throughout an entire day. Uh, once a month, I'll try and do a 48- or 72-hour fast. And typically, though, I stick to somewhere between 16- to 20-hour fasting window, depending on the day or what I'm eating or how hungry I am. I do like to mix it up from time to time uh, for metabolic flexibility. I don't always necessarily want to be in a full fasting state. I don't think it's 100% necessary. I think there's a lot of value, but I allow some flexibility so I'm not some rigid, super strict, eat-at-specific-times kind of guy. Same thing with my diet. I stick to a diet that is generally low in carbs and low in sugars and really high in healthy fats, and as of right now, definitely really high in healthy meats as well. However, I realize that there needs to be some sort of flexibility and some sort of balance, so I don't get super rigid with my diet. I allow flexibility. I allow some high-carb days and some snacks, and I think that is important to adapt. It really is about balancing and, in many ways, kind of the 80-20 principle, where 80% of the time you are dialed in, 20% of the time you have some flexibility. Um, So I think that's important. Cold therapy, to the best of my ability, I do that. I have been doing cryotherapy at Effect Therapy in Lethbridge as much as possible. Obviously, there were some restrictions that I was unable to go for a while with the pandemic. And also, now that I am currently in South America, I am not doing cryotherapy. Cold showers, I try to the best of my ability. The cold water isn't quite as cold here. So I'm a little bit limited, but I'm still a huge believer that cold therapy as much as possible, whether that is cold showers, whether that is going for a walk outside in the winter, whether that is jumping into a frozen lake, whether it is an ice bath cryotherapy, that has a phenomenal effect on your body. Highly recommend it. Exercise obviously goes without saying. It's one of the big ones that Dr. Ben Lynch talks about. Sedentary lifestyle has been linked to so many health issues in so many ways. It's absolutely critical that you maintain some sort of base level activity. It doesn't have to necessarily be a lot. Just going for a walk every day for 15 minutes is enough. Trying to exercise for two to three hours a week, which really isn't asking much, is enough. And I can tell you right now that I don't exercise that much. I probably exercise at a maximum of only three hours per week. And it's maybe four or five days a week where I do 30 to 45 minutes. I don't go to a gym. I strictly do body weight. I have a few bands. Maybe once a week I'll go for a run and try and do some hill sprints. But I really don't exercise that hard. You don't have to exercise extremely, extremely hard or be a professional athlete to be healthy. So that is important. Just make sure that you are moving and you are doing something and something that you enjoy, preferably. Sports are a fantastic way. If you want to go play racquetball, if you want to go play tennis, you want to go play soccer, that is terrific. Do that. Um, Another thing that I still practice is breathing techniques. And breathing is a wonderful way to reduce stress, especially if you do deep diaphragmatic breathing, either through it could be the 478 method. It could be through box breathing. And I would highly recommend checking out episode eight on how to regulate your autonomic nervous system through breathing, in which I went into great detail on those, as well as the classic Wim Hof breathing, which induces a state of hypoxia. There's a whole other subset of science to that one, and also Andrew Huberman's breathing techniques. Again, I'd highly recommend episode eight if you want to learn more about that. Further, which is another point to bring up on episode eight, is nasal breathing. So I actually wear mouth strips at night, so it forces me to breathe through my nose at night, and I try to practice nasal breathing as much as possible, including and especially while exercising assuming I am not at complete exhaustion. Obviously, you can only breathe through your nose for so long, depending on the intensity of your exercise. In addition, chemical usage, cleaning products, I try to minimize everything. I try to use as little as possible, and I try and keep it as natural and as simple as possible. It is extremely difficult in this day and age to find completely natural products. It's also very expensive if you want to try and do some of that, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. For example, it's amazing how many things around your house you can clean with baking soda and vinegar. You know, there are lots of hacks of ways you can look up how to create your own natural solutions. Highly recommend that people take the time to research those and highly consider making the switch from major industrial chemicals. And 
the reliance on industrial chemicals, and this is becoming more and more of an issue in the modern era with sanitization and through the pandemic, is that we are being heavily, heavily influenced by chemicals more and more. And it is also impacting the bacteria and viruses that, you know, has naturally been a part of human society. So I think it's very important that we try as best as possible to minimize chemical usage, cleaning products, and try and keep everything as natural as possible. I certainly try my best. I am a minimalist when it comes to cleaning products and try and live as clean and natural as possible. In terms of diet, the biggest one has got to be avoid processed foods. There's so much stuff in there. And if you listen to the episode I had with Dr. Amanda Shea, which was episode 17, she talks a lot about why processed foods are bad. And there's just so much evidence. You have to try to the best of your ability, stick to whole foods. To the best of your ability, stick to whole foods. That will make a huge difference. I am 100% certain of that. In addition, to optimize your sleep, avoid eating within two to three hours of bed. This is something Kristen Holmes talked a ton about on episode 15, and she is the vice president of WHOOP. I think that is absolutely critical. Also, going to bed and waking up at the exact same time, aligning your circadian clock to the solar day, getting sunlight first thing in the morning, natural light before bed, limiting blue light exposure before bed, so trying to cut off screens at least an hour or two before night, also using um, blue light blocking glasses or blue light filters through your screens, which can be turned on through your phone or through your iPad or through your laptop, et cetera. I think those are all super important. You know, so I've, I've kind of rattled off a lot of things. And, and in addition, I mean, you know, I'd, I'd never microwave food. I haven't used a microwave in, in months. I try to just reduce my stress. I practice gratitude every morning. I read every morning. I journal. And I'm just trying everything I can to live a happy and stoic life and moderate my psychological and physical stressors. It, you know, really, as I list off all these things that I am trying to do to optimize my genetic expression, it really is just a holistic approach to trying to live a happy and improved life. And it really comes down to a lot of the different things that I have been talking about on this podcast that I've been exploring and experimenting in my own life. And I think that when you start to utilize a lot of these different techniques, it compounds and it can have a massive difference. Now, for the nerdy people like me who want to learn a little bit more about genetics and epigenetics, I'll get into... Um, some work I did in the summer, I got my DNA tested with 23andMe. And it has essentially just kind of a basic overview of what your DNA is. But what you could do at the time, I'm not sure if you still can, is through Strategene, which is operated by Seeking Health, which is Dr. Ben Lynch's company, you can actually take your genetic results and upload them. And they do a more comprehensive test looking for some key SNPs, so some key polymorphisms, and understanding how that may relate to very specific metabolic pathways in your body. For example, one of them is the folate cycle. Another is the methionine cycle. And it's super, super complicated, so I am not going to get far into But just as a little, a little kind of preview, for example, I found out, for example, within the folate cycle, I have a SNP relating to the MTHFR gene. Now, the MTHFR gene, you may have heard about it. It stands for methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase, which isn't necessarily important. But what it does is it expresses an enzyme that catalyzes the reduction of inactive 510-methylene tetrahydrofolate to active 5-methyl tetrahydrofolate. So again, you don't need to understand all this. I certainly don't. I'm just reading this off, so I'm not as smart as I may sound. But basically what happens is this gene, the MTHFR gene, is necessary for an enzyme to create 5-MTHF. And that is critical for the remethylation of homocysteine to methathione. And that is critical in supporting DNA methylation, among other things. Again, it's really complicated. But again, what's interesting with these findings is that they discovered that I have a SNP, MTHFR A1298C. Again, that's not important. But basically what happens is this variant has been shown to reduce the activity of the MTHFR enzyme by up to 20% 
And MTHFR is super, super important. So if this gene is not being expressed optimally, this can lead to potential issues. Now in the methionine cycle, there is a gene called MTRR, which is known as methionine synthase reductase. And it expresses an enzyme needed to restore oxidized cobalamin 2 to CH3 cobalamin 3. And again, this is complicated, but basically this ends up being super, super important for cellular methylation. In doing this test, actually, they discovered two SNPs that I have, MTRRA66G and MTRRC524T. And essentially, both of these SNPs have been shown to cause a lower affinity of MTRR for the substrate MTHR. It could lead to a whole host of potential issues, but one of the key ones is that in many ways, it may affect the blood plasma levels of vitamin B12 very commonly. And now vitamin B12 has recently, and I say recently, even though it's been decades, vitamin B12 is such a critical, critical vitamin in your body. And it's highly, highly dense in high quality meat products. So for example, eating a lot of meat. And I think, you know, maybe that was one of the reasons that I decided that maybe eating an animal-based diet would be optimal for me so that I can ensure that I am getting adequate levels of B12. And before when I had been experimenting with a vegan-based diet, or at least a plant-based diet, I should say, I had been supplementing with vitamin B12 after discovering that perhaps I am deficient. Now, of course, supplementing is a little bit different in terms of bioavailability, but it's still important if you understand that maybe if I do have some health effects, maybe it is caused by B12 deficiency. Maybe it is caused by a specific deficiency in a certain vitamin or mineral. Well, what is causing that? Well, there's cofactors, there's potentially genetic polymorphisms. It is a very complicated web, but it really helps to try and understand the science and learn more about yourself. So I think it's pretty cool. But anyways, enough about me. We could go on forever about this, and I'm no Dr. Ben Lynch, so I don't want to get in over my head trying to explain genetics and epigenetics. But the bottom line, what can you do? You can make this as simple or as complicated as you would like. My advice is to focus on the fundamentals. Now, if you're really curious and obsessed with the science, by all means, jump into the deep end, get your DNA tested, and try and figure out everything. But you can cover a lot of ground just with some crucial habits. So let's review what Dr. Ben Lynch highlighted as the keys to cleaning up those dirty genes. Number one, diet. So what can you do? Eat appropriate amounts of protein and healthy fat. Get a full nutrition profile, especially your B vitamins, vitamin C, copper, zinc. You can remove cow's milk dairy, gluten, excess carbs, and white sugar. Avoid foods high in pesticides, herbicides, preservatives, and artificial ingredients. So therefore, aim for organic grass-fed whole foods if possible. And I realize that that's not always attainable for everyone, but ideally that would be optimal. Also, avoid fermented foods. Eat in moderation. Dr. Ben Lynch recommends to stop eating when you are about 80% full. And of course, avoid snacks and late night meals. So those are his keys to optimizing your diet. Number two, exercise. Get the right amount of exercise for your body, not too much and not too little. Also, Exercise when you are rested and only until you are pleasantly tired. Don't exhaust yourself. Overtraining can cause just as much negative stress and issues as undertraining. And finally, don't let exercise disrupt your sleep. If it's late at night, you didn't get your workout in for the day, don't mess up your three, four hours of sleep because you feel like you need to go get that workout. Sleep is the priority over exercise. Which brings us to point number three. Make trying for deep, restful sleep a priority. Prioritize sleep in your life. Consistently match your sleep schedule to nature's circadian rhythms. So this involves having consistent wake and sleep timing, as well as getting natural sunlight as much as possible throughout the day and aligning your body with the solar day. Also, avoid electric screens in the hour before bed and block or turn off all artificial lights. However, moonlight is great. Number four, environmental toxins. 
eat organic food. Organic food eliminates a lot of those herbicides and pesticides that Dr. Ben Lynch previously talked about. Also, filter the water you use for drinking, cooking, and bathing. That's important. Avoid the use of household and garden chemicals. Avoid all plastic containers for food and water, especially BPA plastic and microwave use. Ideally, use glass or stainless steel. And follow all appropriate guidelines to keep indoor air clean. Indoor air is often dirtier than outdoor air. Number five, stress. Take the time to attend to all sources of physical stress, which could be a complicated list, and at the same time, reduce and relieve psychological stress. So there you have it. That is a rundown on genetics, epigenetics, and gene expression, why it is so important. I would love to thank Dr. Ben Lynch again for being a source of terrific information. And if you guys are curious at all about this, I highly recommend his book, Dirty Genes. It is comprehensive and it goes into great detail. And so to end off, I would like to refresh with a quote that I had pulled off earlier. And this is straight from the book, Dr. Ben Lynch. And I think this is so important that we remember this. Quote, your genes are not your destiny. End quote. To discover more, this episode with all citations is available on the website, and you can also contact me on social media with any questions or comments. If you found this episode useful or think that it may help someone else, I encourage you to pass it along. Thank you all for joining me on this journey to lifelong health, happiness, and higher performance. And remember, always be grateful, love yourself, and serve others.